Welcome to Northridge Church Online. Thanks for joining us. It is great to have you. There's something that we share every week because we believe it is that important, and it's this. Northridge Church is a safe place. So whether you've been a believer forever, whether you have just come into a relationship with Jesus, or whether you're checking out and asking questions like, is God real? Is the Bible real? Can I really trust these things? Know that this is a place you can come and ask questions. When we get together again, you can be in community. And it's just a place where you know that you are loved and welcomed just as you are. Now, I am not the face you were probably expecting this morning. So for those of you who don't know me, my name's Chris Bickett, and I'm the student ministries pastor here at Northridge. I typically get to hang out with your kiddos and with the Northridge Kids team as we get to teach them about Jesus. We're wrapping up the series we've been in called Pivot, and we've been asking the question, what is God asking of you to change, to move, to shift during this season especially? We know that to pivot is not always comfortable, and so what we've been doing is interviewing some people and getting their thoughts and their insights and their opinions, hearing how God is at work in their lives, and then we're sharing it with you. Today we do get to take a literal pivot as I get the opportunity to interview Laura and Pastor Brent. And as you know, they lead this place called Northridge Church, and we're going to get to hear about the heartbeat and the passion and what drives Northridge Church to be such a great community that we all know and love. So let's get to it. Well, good morning. It's great to have you. Thanks for joining us. As I said, we're taking a pivot, and today we are going to put Pastor Brent and Laura in the hot seat as we interview them. It's going to be a great time. I'm anxious for you to hear what they have to share, as I said, the heart and passion behind what Northridge is. Some of you may have heard some of the details of the backstory. Some of you, it may be completely new. So what we're going to do is get to know them a little bit as who they are first, and then we're going to get into some other story points. So thank you guys both for being willing to do this. I know it's not always easy flipping the table, pivoting as you will, and putting you in this spot. But Laura and Pastor Brent, thank you. Um, if you'll both just kind of take a moment and give us a little bit of the backstory, kind of where you grew up, maybe important details that might be interesting for people to know, just kind of get us up to speed on who you guys are and a little bit about yourselves. Sure. Uh, my name is Laura, for those of you who might not know. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. Um, I was born in Indiana. I have three sisters who I'm very close to, and I moved around quite a bit as a child. We lived in Indiana, South Dakota, Alabama, North Carolina, and then as an adult, I've lived in Wisconsin the longest, so I definitely consider the Midwest my home. Okay. And for me, so I was also born in Indiana, and we also moved around quite a bit. Um, also grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my dad was a pastor. No, we're not related, no, we're uh, related. For, even though there's a lot of parallels here. Uh, we are not. Uh, so, But seriously, uh, grew up uh, in Indiana, but then moved to South Dakota, and then went to uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, right before my seventh grade year, and have also lived in Wisconsin more than anywhere else. And so I consider Wisconsin to be home more than anything, but not just because of that, but because uh, this culture, this climate, believe it or not, I know I'm people look at me like I'm crazy, uh, but all of those things, they just resonate with me. I love Wisconsin. I love the people of Wisconsin. Um, and so it just feels like home 
uh, probably more than anything to me. Yeah. And a lot of people might not know this, but Brent and I, our dads were friends and college roommates. And so we have known each other since we were very little. Um, as kids, we would play together because our parents were friends. You know, the obligatory. <laughs> Adults have to talk, kids go play. That's you know, right. kind of thing. You so, guys take care of yourself. Yeah, so that's right. With yeah. Each other. yeah, deal with it, right? Um, but this, this actually, case in point, this is funny. So, Laura and I went to the same kids' camp in South Dakota when we were elementary age. And, uh, and one of the stories, Laura doesn't remember this, so she claims that it's not true, and I know that it is. It's, <laughs> I remember it vividly. But uh, we were at a roller skating rink at this camp for one of the outings, and she was skating with her friends. I was sitting with my guy friends. We were not skating. Um, <laughs> and Laura sent one of her friends, uh, a girl, over to talk to us guys and ask me if I would skate with Laura. And uh, so I agreed because I kind of wanted to skate with her. And uh, so we skated and thus began, you know, our, our romance. Our romance. <laughs> Couple <laughs> or skates, thank you. Right, right, exactly. But, but not really because, uh, you know, we were friends all the way through as kids and all that stuff. Right. But really nothing serious like as far as, you know, our relationship was concerned happened until after college. Yeah, so, so. after college we reconnected. Uh, my family actually had a reunion in Indiana, a family reunion, and I thought, eh, Indiana, Wisconsin, not that far away from each other. So I emailed Brent and just said, you know, I'm going to be in Indiana if you're interested in seeing me. And I actually never heard back from him. And so my dad told me, he said, honey, he is not worth it. <laughs> Wisdom of dad. Yes. Right. But, okay, so just to helpfully redeem a little bit, um, <laughs> the truth is, though, that uh, what had happened after I moved back from, you know, home from college and I was looking for a job, uh, I was using all my parents, like my parents' computer and all that kind of stuff, and so uh, unknowingly, my mother had locked out the computer with, like, the, the parental settings or security settings or something, so I couldn't get into any of my accounts for several days. <laughs> And it was in that moment, in that season, that time, those few days when she had sent that email. So I ended up getting the email the day before she's supposed to arrive in Indiana. So I didn't get it before they left, though. And so we found out the hotel where she was going to be staying and having this family reunion. And I called the hotel, and I left a message at the front desk and said, so when the Weaver clan, when the Weaver family checks in, please let them know, give them the message that Brent Bickle is coming down, and I'd like to see them. And, uh, and so, anyway, so that's, that, that's what happened. Yes, so we arrived at the hotel, and of course there's two teenage girls working the front desk, and when my dad gave them his name, they automatically started giggling and said, we have a message for you. Um, Laura is supposed to call a Brent Bickle. And my mom said, yes! <laughs> and my dad proceeded, even though he told me he wasn't worth it, said to me, don't mess this one up. <laughs> Hi. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, let's go. Right, yes. right. So, so to fast forward, after that, though, uh, Laura and I spent that day together, and uh, we both knew, even though we didn't declare it to each other, we both knew, uh, you know, we really wanted to spend the rest of our life together. And so I got a teaching job in North Carolina a few weeks later, and uh, we started dating, we got engaged, we got married actually the following year. So, like, mm -hmm. boom, 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 really fast. Uh, and, you know, here, here we, we are. We have three children. We have yeah. a 13-year-old a 10-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Yeah. And we still like each other. Yeah. <laughs> and most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. That's right. 
Perfect. Those those love notes through the uh, hotel receptionist yes. always work. <laughs> we, we have a strange story. <laughs> hey, it works. That's it right. works. Well, thank you for sharing those. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's always fun to add ammunition to the jokes that could come down the line yes. as people get to know you a little bit better. Um, so part of um, learning backstory is let's shift gears a little bit and talk about Northridge. Because Northridge Church is something that we call a plant, meaning it was started from scratch. There was nothing to go off of, no help or anything like that. And when most people talk about starting a church from scratch, they don't talk about it because it doesn't cross their minds. Like that is something that just seems really hard, challenging, and why would you want to do that? But for you guys, there was kind of a prompting from God. Um, There was a little bit of a push and a nudge uh, to do this. So can you kind of walk us through the real early stages of what shifted so that you guys started thinking about this into how Northridge came to be? Sure. So that is a big question. (laughs) Uh, It could take a while on that. But uh, I'll I'll streamline a little bit, and Laura and I are going to share on this, I think, a little bit, and we can kind of add our bits and pieces. But um, So really the story, um, I'm not going back to the very beginning, but to close to it. It started in North Dakota. Laura and I, of course, were public school teachers to start out, but then we had already moved on because God had called us out of that and into ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I was on staff at a large church in North Dakota. I was the family ministries pastor, basically over the children's ministry, like you, Pastor Chris. (laughs) Um, And so that's what we were doing at at this church in North Dakota. And really felt God, I won't go into details on this, but God started to wrestle and stir our hearts Mm -hmm. for something different than what we were doing in that immediate moment in that season and in that location. And so what basically came out of that, again, there's a lot of details in here, but essentially God made it really clear that he wanted us to move to Dane County, Wisconsin and start a brand new church. Didn't know what, didn't know where, didn't know how, basically knew nothing other than Dane County, new church. And uh, and so that's kind of how we ended up here anyway, that was the, that was the initial prompt. Okay. So, yeah. One of the questions I get asked by far the most is, where were you at in all this, Laura? You know, Brent felt this, this yeah. nudge and this push and this calling, so did you just have to move to Wisconsin because your husband was called, or, you know, did you have any say in this? And the answer that I would say is, I did not feel pushed or nudged at all to come to Wisconsin. Or dragged. Or dragged. In fact... Very important. Yeah. Yes, it's very important. I mean, I'm just saying. In fact, ever since I was a little girl, I have tried my best to be obedient and follow God and His leadings in my life. Mm-hmm. And there have been numerous times in my life that I believe that God has asked me to pivot, to change directions, to take risks. And this was one of those times that I also felt like God was asking me to pivot um, not only Brent, but myself and our children as well. Hmm. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, uh, God starts working on this long before you ever even realize. Yes. Um, in fact, in fact, in, ni- I don't know, yeah. in 1956, I just found this out a while back. My aunt shared this with me that my grandparents were living in Milwaukee and my grandfather felt an urge, um, a prompting from God to plant a church in the Madison area. 
And while he never physically was able to do that, he saw that come to fruition through his granddaughter and his grandson, which was a really cool side note that we wanted to share. Oh, absolutely. That's amazing. So 1956 yes. was when that happened. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we're talking like, you know, not quite 70 years ago. Yeah. And, and that's, what's, that's what is so cool is that I've been reminded of in starting Northridge, but also just throughout my life. God's story is so much bigger than our own story. And sometimes he asks us to take steps or to pivot or to do things, and we have no idea if it's going to be us that fulfills that or somebody else or generations from us or a family or somebody else's family. But it just reminds me that I need to continue to be faithful Mm -hmm. and that I need to just keep taking steps forward. And so I guess, so fast forward, we moved into Dane County. We weren't sure that it was Wanakee, but then eventually Wanakee became obvious the place. So we moved to Wanakee. And, and we, at this point, had gathered uh, eight adults. Uh, Craig Raymond had come with us from North Dakota, but then we had five other adults in addition to the three of us. And we started asking the question, if God wants us to plant this church, how do we do that? <laughs> I certainly didn't know how. I'd never even been a lead pastor, <laughs> let alone plant a church. And so uh, we started asking this question, God, how do we even do this? How do you want us to do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that became the driving question. Yeah, and we us. knew that we worked really well as a team together, and we knew how to do children's ministry because we had been doing children's ministry. And so we knew we knew how to have fun and work together. And so that's we decided, hey, we can offer something to kids and families that has value. And so that's yeah. when Northridge Kids kind of was birthed, and that's when we started Northridge Kids. Yeah, in... And, and a lot of people, they, they would ask, like, why did you start that way? And, and a lot of churches, a lot, and a lot of people wouldn't know this, but church plants largely start by, you know, you have a team or you have a church that kind of helps launch it. And so we were parachute drop. We didn't have a church. You know, we didn't have people behind it. Um, and so we're kind of like, well, how do we do this? And, and so instead of picking, though, a launch date and say, we're going to launch, we're going to start services here, and we just hope people come, uh, which, again, that's not a wrong thing to do, but we just, I felt very strongly, we all felt very strongly, that's not how God wants us to do this. Mm-hmm. He wants us to lean to this and, and take a little bit more time with this. And uh, and so we said, you know, kids ministry, let's start on Wednesday nights. Let's do 10 weeks, partly because, like, that's all we can do. We only have eight adults. <laughs> and you can do anything for 10 weeks, right? right? You, can, mean... <laughs> you can do anything for 10 weeks. And we're like, and we didn't know, like, how's this going to go? If we get one kid... Like, uh, okay, we could do that for 10 weeks, I guess. It's going to be awkward. But it's, you know, and the one kid would probably be my son because he was the only, and my daughter wasn't old enough. And so we did Northridge Kids for 10 weeks. And what was amazing is God brought 26 kids that first night. And then throughout the time, we had like 20 to 30 kids every every Wednesday, each week. And people started asking, are we going to have regular worship services on, you know, on the weekends? And we said, yeah, if you would come. <laughs> that was the key question, right? And uh, so we had our first preview service at the end of that 10 weeks of Northridge Kids, and this was September 2011 is when we started this. And then we had once a month preview services for there on out until September 2012 when we launched uh, weekly services. So we had one service on Sunday at 10 a.m. is what we did. And then, of course, we've grown from there. Um, So this September, we will be eight years old as a church. So, Which is wonderful. So I'm going to jump us back just a little bit because we talked about your grandpa having his prompting or his vision in 1956, and we said we don't know when things come to fruition. Sometimes we have to wait a really long time. Mm. Sometimes things move a little bit quicker. So kind of just 
recap real quickly. You guys moved in. We moved to Dane County in 2010. 2010. You moved to Wanakee. And then moved to Wanakee 2011. Eight months later. Eight months later. Okay. And uh, April 2011, I think, is when it was. And then we started Northridge Kids a few months later, September 2011. September. And then it was another year, September 2011 to September 2012, until we actually launched weekly services. So, okay. good question, because it gets yes. jumbled. It does. <laughs> and it was, it and tell, let me tell you, it was jumbled then, too. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing? Uh, yeah. But God has been faithful. It's been awesome. Good. And let me just bring one more thing out because I think it's important for people to realize when you guys started this process, it wasn't just the two of you. Because I think a lot of times we wait until, God, this next season of life, when I do this, you know, it's when I get married, when I have kids, when I have money, when I, whatever it is, get my college degree. So you guys are in a large church, but it's not just the two of you when you decide to make this huge pivot. Mm. Correct. We have our almost three-year-old son, who was a very active little boy. Still is. (laughs) And our little girl, Hannah, who was just under a year old when we moved here. So details are fuzzy to me. Because I had a one and a three-year-old. <laughs> As they should be. As they should and, be. And it, and it, but it illustrates, this a great question, um, Chris, and, and it illustrates the point, I think, that when God asks you to do something, it's rarely going to make sense yes. right away, and I don't think it's ever going to be comfortable, and the timing doesn't is probably not going to seem right. I mean, for us to have a almost three and almost one-year-old that is not the time to upend your family, in my opinion. You know, I mean, some people would say maybe it is, but, you know, things were good. Things were comfortable. And, um, you know, we'd be lying if we didn't say that it was a struggle for us yes. and hard for us to lean into what God wanted us to do. But at the same time, we knew that we had to. We knew we had to. In fact, if I was being very real and very transparent, I'll never forget the day Brent walked home to our, our inside our house in South Dakota. North Dakota, and he said, you know, honey, I just feel like I need to turn down all of these opportunities, and we just need to focus on moving to Dane County. And I said, I'm all in, but how are you going to provide for us? Are you going to drive a Coke truck? Like, I'm okay, but we've got these two little people that we need to worry about. And so, you know, in the back of my head, there was always that, how are we going to, how will God provide for us? Right. And those big moments usually require that big trust yes and it really does say where are you going to trust me yes all right so thank you that kind of brings us up to speed on the beginnings of northridge now when we start talking about present day northridge there's a lot of Mm. things that people will say when they come to visit they'll say northridge is friendly or they'll say you know it's really welcoming or i felt right at home Mm. there's just a lot of things that people experience when they walk through our doors and they meet people that are Northridge Church. That though, a lo- though, it's, though it feels just natural, it's actually not natural. There's actually a lot of intentionality behind it. Mm. So can you guys kind of take a moment to unpack some of the DNA or what is like the heartbeat, the essence of Northridge and some of the things that are really extremely intentional behind that so that mm. Northridge can feel and act the way that it does. Mm. Once again, a huge question. <laughs> That's one of those that, um, but seriously, is so important. Um, the DNA of a church, the culture of a church. 
uh, not only the guiding principles, like this is what we're about, this is what's most important, but just the things like how are we going to uh, think about God and think about people and, and how we treat everything and everyone. Um, and so uh, just several thoughts. Um, I'll give a quick list of some things that are really intentional. Like you said, they're behind the scenes. We don't maybe talk about them all the time, but they are things that guide us constantly as a church and as a leadership and, and for everybody. Um, and so um, one of those things is, you know, just kids ministry, youth ministry, teenagers. We believe that God has great things for the next generation. So it's not just that we want to have a fun kids ministry, right? And you, I know you know this because you're leading it. <laughs> but but, uh, but it's that we believe that God wants to do amazing things through the next generation. And I'm not talking about just the next generation right now. I mean all next generations. And so we've always been committed to having a great kids ministry and youth ministry and pouring into investing, answering questions for, and you know all the things that we need to do for them. Um, another thing is that we're not going to be boring. Yeah, <laughs> that we're going to be fun. And that sounds surfacey. That sounds weird. Uh, that a church would have that as a as a core like value thing. Uh, but but here's where we go with that. Um, it doesn't matter how important the things are that we're talking about. And we believe we are offering very important things. That these are godly gospel message. That, like these are really important, critically important for all of life. Uh, but if we're being boring with it. Nobody cares. <laughs> I mean, if we're like, please just land the plane, you know, uh, like nobody, it doesn't matter how important it was if they're sleeping, right? Uh, or if the kids don't want to come. And so having, and it's also this understanding that God truly wants us to have fun and enjoy life. He did not create us to be stuffy. Um, and so, so having fun and, and not being born and all those kind of things is, is, is a big piece of that. Um, and then another piece is relevance. And anybody that's been around Northridge for any length of time, we need to be intensely relevant. What We're always asking the question, why? So Or so what? So what? So, okay, God is real. Jesus died for your sins. Good, but so what? Like, what does it mean for us? And answering that in 2020, you know, like in these days here. And so that's why we do the music that we do, so that when you turn on the, the worship music in your car, you're hearing a lot of the similar type of stuff and similar style and all those things. We want that to be practical, everyday life kind of things. And so relevance is a big key. Um, and then three other big things. I think that this is, and this I'll, I'll finish this up because I could go for hours. Uh, and don't worry, I'm not going to. Uh, but uh, three, three other big things. You mentioned the friendliness, community aspect, connection. Um, I remember a conversation I had with somebody before we were started Northridge, and I said, well, this is what we're going to do, and I was explaining it, and I said the word connection like a hundred thousand times, and he said, you say the word connection a lot, and I was like, well, that's what our church is going to be about. It's going to be about relationships, it's going to be about community, it's going to be about connecting genuinely with each other, and helping each other grow in our faith with God, and so that's why people joke when, when they first you know, come to our physical location at Northridge, uh, they'll be like, man, I was greeted like a hundred times <laughs> on the way in. And I'm like, good, you know? And they're like, really, you wanted that? Oh, yeah. Because we want to communicate to everyone right before they ever even meet us, before they ever get our names, that we are there for you, that we, we're communicating value, that God loves you, we love you, even though you don't even know us yet. And we want them to understand that and to feel that right away. Um, and then another one is, uh, and this is, again, something that we don't talk about often because it's very much under the, under the radar, under the scenes, 
Um, but we are a safe place. One thing that we do overtly is at the beginning of every message we say this is a safe place for you no matter where you are with God, right? Ask the questions you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just one piece. But then there's been other moments that a lot of people don't know that as a staff, Chris, you know this, Laura knows this, I know this, where people have been right theologically, but because of how they approached somebody else or attacked somebody else or created conflict, their, their viewpoint may have been right, but how they approached it was wrong. And so we've had to confront people on that all the time. It hasn't happened a lot, but we have had to do that because this is going to be a safe place. Um, and, and then another piece of that, though, you know, a lot of people say, well, then we water down the Bible. Because a lot of places where, like, churches or groups that are safe, it's because they kind of just like, eh, the Bible is a guide, but it's not really, like, our authority. One thing that needs to be really explicitly clear that I'm always clear about is that the Bible is our church's authority. It's my authority. I believe it needs to be the authority for every person in our church, in our community, uh, for them individually in their families, but also for our church. So what the Bible says goes, even when it's not popular, culturally. Um, And then the final thing I would say is uh, a guiding principle or thought question is um, if Northridge would disappear tomorrow, would anybody care? Would anybody notice? And I think that's really important. Because if the answer to that is no, nobody would care, nobody would notice, or very few, then we're not being the church. We're not being the church that God wants us to be. And so um, that is our guiding thought and principle. And so all those things are intentional. Again, we don't always talk about this out loud like this. This is good that we're talking about it out loud. So I appreciate the question. Um, but those are the things that guide and direct us as, as a church. Okay. Which is important. So thank you for sharing that. Because I think because it feels so natural, mm-hmm. we don't realize sometimes how intentional we need to be with some things. And that mm-hmm. transfers over to our individual lives as well. Now, you had ended that talking about Northridge Church, and if it was no longer here, Mm -hmm. would it be felt in the community? Would people Mm -hmm. notice? And a lot of times when we think church, we think building. (laughs) Now, we say all the time that Northridge is not a place. It is the people of our church. We've heard that before? We've heard that before. (laughs) Somebody has said that a lot. Somewhere. (laughs) But unpack for us a little bit why that is so important and why you continue to remind us because it's not Northridge meets in the village center, it's Northridge as a people that Mm. is the church. Why is that so important for us? Mm. That's a good question. Um, The Bible is not just something to believe in. It's something to engage with and learn from and then live out. And so our church, that's not just for the pastor. That's not a pastor button. That's for all of us. We're all the church. Like you said, it's not a building or a place or a location or a time on a Sunday. 9 and 1030 for Northridge is not the church. It's people. And so what it becomes is that all the things that we're involved in as a church, the, the ways that we serve in, in the food ministries, and we've done food drives and things like that, and we serve people behind the scenes that people never know because 
if people knew, then those people might get embarrassed because of the, of the needs that we're serving. We don't want everybody to know, but we want to know so that we can help. There are so many things that we're doing uh, in our community, for our community, with our community. I think it's also, we're not here to just save everybody, uh, although that's a big piece that Jesus says, I come to seek and save the lost. So that's a big part of it. But behind that is we are in this with people, right? And, and if that goes away, then we should be the kind of church that's living this out so, so fully that people would grieve, mourn, and wail like it would hurt if we disappeared. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's, that's what I got. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it's such an important answer for us because, as you said, would we be missed in the community? Mm. Would our neighbors, our actual next-door neighbors, miss us? Would those that need the extra help right now notice that it wasn't there? Mm-hmm. And that is crucial because if they don't, like you said, there's no reason for us to be meeting. Right. We're right. just serving ourselves. Right. Right. So speaking about um, neighbors and helping others, um, we're going to shift again one more time. Okay. This time of the pandemic has isolated all of us. We've we've talked about that over the past weeks. Um, We've talked about how it's changed our daily lives. It's changed how we do things. It's changed the fact that we're now online and not in person. Um, We'll say we're desperately looking forward to the days of being together in person. Um, You know, it's it's coming. We'll get there soon. Um, And for those of you wondering, yes, we will have worship. Um, (laughs) We will get to see Laura lead, and we do miss our worship team desperately. Mm. Um, But the question becomes then, how has this time really impacted your leadership of the church, but also both of you individually? And I know that that is a really huge question. So let's start with how has it impacted your leadership and the church specifically? Okay. Well, for me personally and leading the church, I guess, um, one thing that has been extremely difficult is being present in people's lives when they are either celebrating a milestone or walking through a really hard season that we physically haven't been able to be present with them. And it is very hard to encourage and and just being with someone when you can't be with them. You know, you can call them on the phone, you can Zoom with them, but there's something about that personal, you know, the ministry of being present, that personal connection with them that has been very challenging for me, I think, um, for the ministry. Yeah, and I, I think similarly for me, I, I would be the same. And I think that the biggest challenge that we've had to pivot, like in, for, in terms of, like you said, specifically the leadership of the church, um, we've had to move everything that we normally do physically, as Laura just said, online. And, and that looks maybe simple and easy, I hope, maybe from the outside looking in. Um, but what has been hard is to translate, how do we do this online well? How do we care for people through Zoom calls? How do we care for people when we can't physically be there and pray with them in person and give them a hug and let them know we genuinely care about you and God loves you? Um, how do you do that through technology, through screens? And you can do it, but it's, but it's much more difficult, I would say. And when you're not used to doing everything that way, we were doing a few things, but not everything. And so that's been hard. Um, but here's, here's the interesting thing this pivot has caused. Uh, it has forced us 
into a thing, uh, to doing some things online as a church that we probably already should have been doing before COVID-19. So that's been good. Uh, it also has done a couple of things. It has, I think, widened our audience for sure, because there's been a lot of people that have joined us or engaged that are listening. Maybe there's some listening even right now who have never been physically at our location. And that's great. That's awesome. That's, there's no problem with that. And so our, our, our church has grown wider. But here's the question I have. Here's the concern I have. This is the prayer that I have for myself and for everybody in our church and our community is have we grown, grown deeper? Because I think wider is okay, uh, not maybe too many cookies right? <laughs> in the COVID-19 days, so not wider in that way. Uh, but, but wider is a church, you know, more people connect to our church, that's great. But are we growing deeper in our faith? Are we taking responsibility? Are we really leaning in to our own faith in God? And so that's how we've had to pivot is moving everything online, but I have these questions in my heart and mind that God's been wrestling with me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. As far as personally... Um, the way it has affected me. For those of you who might not know, I love being home. I gain energy from my home when it is clean and quiet. So during this pandemic, that really hasn't happened all that much. Um, But, you know, it has forced me to stop, which is a good thing, like many others, I'm sure, um, and just reflect on what really is important in life. Uh, What am I prioritizing? Um, what are my values in life? And just time with family has been such a blessing um, for our family. Um, something that's been really challenging would be relationships again. I know a couple weeks ago, Brent and I had the opportunity to go out on a date. And there wasn't a lot of options because not much was open. And so we drove and got takeout. And we mm-hmm. sat in our white minivan and ate takeout. <laughs> yep. Very romantic. It's so romantic. And, you know, we've had plenty of time together, so it wasn't like we needed to catch up on much. So we decided, (laughs) I said, you know, let's just go for a drive and drive past some of our friends' houses and see if anyone's outside. Stalking them, basically. Pretty much. It's what she said. It's a nice version of stalking. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if you saw our creepily white minivan driving by, it was just us (laughs) longing for connection. Right. Um, And so probably the fifth or sixth house that we went by, actually some of our friends were out, and they were in the driveway, and so we just stopped. Lucky them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't really have a choice, but they came to the end of their driveway, and we sat in our van, and we just talked to them probably 30, 40 minutes, and it just was so encouraging and, again, spoke to me um, what it means to really do life together and how important it is to have those relationships with one another. Mm. And I, I would say on a personal level, the one thing that it has done that's been great for me and us personally is that we have, Laura and I have always been intentional to carve out time that's chimed just for the five of us, our family. Um, not that we've done it perfectly by any means. No, we're not. Uh, but we've, we've always been really intentional about that. Uh, but this COVID-19 season has given us the opportunity to do that far more often. Mm-hmm. And the times that we've had have been longer and deeper. So we've been able to do activities that we normally wouldn't do, like doing a puzzle together. Normally, we're just, that's just not high on the priority list, right? <laughs> if we're going to do something, we're going to go for a hike, or we're going to go grab something to eat, or whatever, you know. And it's going to be shorter times, and, and the, the conversations might be less deep. And so these times have been really good that way. Um, but then, as far as the challenge, personally, you know, uh, I've shared this with a few people. I haven't shared this publicly yet, so here we go. But, um, you know, 
this season has been probably one of the hardest for me in life, in my whole life. Um, and it's because I already knew this, but I realized it even more now is how much energy and how much joy and how much peace and how much excitement and how much purpose I get from being with people, around people, teaching people, serving people, helping people. Uh, I just love it. My heart bleeds for it. And, and so this season has been really difficult for me, to be honest to not be able to do that in a way that makes sense to me um, and, and really energizes and gives me joy. Um, and so uh, I've had to lean into God more, which has been good, uh, but I've also, I look forward to when I can, we can kind of find some semblance of balance in that uh, and move out of this season where we can kind of minister and be around and with people, not just socially, but, um, but in ministry again. Right. Well, thank you both for vulnerability. Um, I would say that there's something somewhere, and it's something you've said that is connected with someone because we've all had our experiences with what God is boiling to the surface for us <laughs> during this time. Yeah. Um, so just to sit here just a moment longer, how has God been speaking to you? Like these are some real challenges that you've shared um, and I really appreciate the vulnerability. Mm. But go that one next step, if you can, for us, of what is God kind of asking or what is he kind of pushing on your heart maybe to make a change? How have you been responding to him when you've been facing these things during these times? Mm. As I was thinking about today um, and just really praying and asking God to reveal what he would want me to share personally. Um, I was looking back in my prayer journal, actually, um, from a few weeks ago, and there's a prayer in here. It says, May my ears be open to what you speak, and may my heart be sensitive to feel it, and may my head be smart or wise enough to do it. Mm -hmm. And I shared that with Brent the other day, and he said, Well, take me further. You know, like, tell me why. Why, why was that prayer in your prayer journal? Where did that come from? Don't you love when I ask that question? I love it when he asks me that question, especially in front of people. <laughs> Sorry, dear. Um, and I said, well, you know, I just, I want to be in a place, and this season has actually allowed me to deepen that place with God of that when he speaks, that I am aware of his voice, mm -hmm. that when he nudges me, I have spent enough time with him that I recognize those nudges and in that voice in my life. And then that when he asks me to do something, that I would not be fearful, that I would be comfortable, even if it is completely uncomfortable, that I would be confident and step out and do that. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think, is my prayer in my heart, and hopefully that speaks to someone today. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I, mine is maybe somewhat similar, um, but I, I would say that for me, it's the same struggle that I have had in this last season, as I kind of just shared a, a few moments ago, and, and realizing who I am and who God may be to be and, and how I struggle with some of those things. But it's also forced me to lean into my relationship with God more. Sometimes I've done that well. Sometimes I haven't. I'll be honest. Uh, in this season, and but but it, it, it's not me leaning on 
getting to do ministry with other people and, and getting my energy from that. And I've had to realize that. And, and I knew that here, but I don't know that I fully understood that until this season. And so what I've realized is I have to take responsibility for my soul, my heart, my walk with God, my what God is telling me. And um, and so that I you know I, I would take that to the around the corner, <laughs> and that is my hope and my prayer for all of us, for our church, and honestly maybe is a little bit of my concern, mm-hmm. is we have gotten pretty comfortable with not being around the church, with the church physically, the body of Christ. And as a result, maybe there's a lack of accountability for all of us, including me, even as the pastor. And my hope and prayer is that for myself and for all of us, that we would lean into God, that we would do the things, that we would get into Scripture, get into God's Word, and pray and be honest and be transparent with Him and be transparent with others. Um, and really take responsibility for growing in our faith and leading our children in their faith, not forcing it on them down their throat, but leading them to the feet of Jesus and allowing Jesus and allowing God to take them and do what he does with them, which is going to be awesome. So anyway, that's, that's my takeaway big time from this season. Well, thank you both for sharing that. Um, like I said, it's really important that we realize it's not... Um, that the pastor and the worship leader have everything like wrapped up into a pretty bow and life is perfect and so you know you just have it all going and look at Sunday morning services they're just fantastic like there's real life that happens behind that like messy very very messy messy is a title that comes with extra responsibility which is a burden that is felt because it is so important for people's lives but it is also the realization that you're just two people trying to do what God's asking you to do as well. Um, it's messy along the way because you're human, mm-hmm. which is what we all experience. And I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes we think that everybody else's life looks so much better. They're doing it so much more perfect than we are. Mm. And like you said, it's taking that next step. It's that obedience of can I hear what God is saying to me and will I be confident enough to do it? Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you guys would like to cover? Or do you feel like we're pretty good? <laughs> I know we had some pretty intense questions. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we're good. Uh, Pastor Chris, just want to say thank you for all that you do. Thank you for taking the willingness to turn the tables um, <laughs> on us. And it is weird to be on this side, I'll tell you that. Uh, but seriously, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for what you do in the kids' ministry, for our church, but also for us personally. Um, and I would just say, um, you know, for our church, get all in with God. Don't allow apathy and coasting maintenance mode to be true of your faith and your, and your walk with God. Uh, because there's not enough time for that. Um, so, anyway, yeah. I wasn't prepared to say all of those things. A lot of the things I've said today, I wasn't quite maybe prepared, but God was God was pushing us, but that's what I would say. And you'll never regret making that choice. Yeah, true. Yeah, good. Absolutely. Well, thank you both. Thank you for your time this morning or whenever you happen to be watching it. And I just pray that whatever that little nudge is that God is pushing on you, just listen to it, 
and respond. And if you need some help, please reach out. We're here to love and we're here to serve. Wow. Well, that is interesting to answer the questions rather than be the one asking the questions. But seriously, I just want to say thank you to all of you, Northridge, and to Pastor Chris for all that she does and being willing to interview the pastor who's usually asking the questions. But I also want to say that in these days, we have a lot of things that are going on. So a lot of you, we kind of mentioned in the interview about getting back together. So a lot of you are wondering when we're going to do that. Well, we actually announced this this last week. Sunday, August 9th is the Sunday that we are all gearing up for to get back together physically. But we also might be wondering, well, where are we going from here? Because the Pivot Series is ending. Well, next week, we're going to be tackling a very tough question. The question is, what is freedom? Yeah, a loaded question. We're going to be tackling that next week. And then the week after that, we're going to start a brand new series that I'm not going to tell you now. You're just going to have to wait for it. We'll announce it next week. But what I want to do is I want to end by simply praying for all of us. So would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would help all of us, me included, to lean into who you are, to truly take responsibility for our faith and our walk with you. That you would help us in these days of a lot of shouting on social media at each other, hatred, division. And God, I want to simply pray for the one thing that I think we all need more of and desperately need because of these things. And that is more of your power, more of your love, more of your forgiveness in our lives. We need a change of heart. And so God, would you give us a change of heart? Lord, would you unleash your spirit on our lives, on us, and help us to engage, help us to lean into your love and to your power. And as we are filled more with more of you, help us to take that and share it with as many people around us as we can. So God, unleash your spirit on us, we pray. I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to challenge you and encourage you. Grow in your relationship with God. Share it with as many people as you can. And always remember, I love you and God loves you.